and uh, you know Rob usually hog, hogs the pulpit quite a bit, so it's it's when you get a chance, you really got to go for it. No, I'm just kidding. We're gonna have words just, later. It didn't take me long to say something I'm going to get rebuked for, did it? Well, uh, I'm going to read some scripture for you this morning. I want to share the words of Peter this morning out of Second Peter, uh, chapter one, verses three to eleven ish. And uh, so I'm going to read those for us this morning, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to see what the Lord has for us this morning. So, these are the words of Peter from the Holy Spirit, Second Peter, chapter one, verse three. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption of this world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and, with, and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Lord, I come to you with an extreme desire to be faithful to your word. Father, with an extreme desire to hear from you and to be challenged by you and to be changed by you. Father, a desire to hear your words audibly spoken to my heart and to our hearts so that we would be conformed to the image of Christ, living out lives that glorify your great name and not our own and seeing the multitudes come to a knowledge of you, to a life and a relationship filled with the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, fulfilling your uh, desire for me to go forth, to preach the gospel, to be a light, Father, for your glory and your honor. So I ask that you would help us this morning to see you. God, I ask that you'd help us to hear you. And I ask that you would help us to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm just going to take a drink here. Here's my heart this morning. As I read this, I was impacted by a few verses actually that I didn't read. And they're actually after verse 11, it's 12 to 15, where Peter makes three statements. And uh, they're all relatively the same. And I would say to you that this morning, it's kind of my heart. It's where I I really want to speak from this morning. And uh, actually, I want to thank Charles for kind of preaching my mini sermon this morning. And he didn't even know it. But he's like, I just want to know that in my heart and I want to be a good example and that I'm going to be with Jesus and that I'm his. And and I was like, wow, that's kind of my sermon this morning. Uh, It took him only 30 seconds, though. So I'm a little envious. No, I'm just kidding. Um, 
Uh, no, but here, here's the deal. Here's the heart. Uh, Peter, Peter in verse 12 says, uh, he says this, therefore, therefore, which is referring to what we're going to preach. So we're starting at the end and we'll go back to the start. But he says, therefore, I intend always to remind you. All right. So reminding something, when I remind you of something, it's not like I'm teaching you necessarily something new. I'm just saying, hey, do you remember this? This is something you know, right? Just like Charles said, I, I just I want to remember this in my heart. Peter is saying, I, I intend to always remind you. So I want to take that posture first in verse 12 is always. So if I'm very repetitious this morning, praise the Lord. I just want to be like Peter and always remind you. And maybe tomorrow if I run into you, always remind you. And next Sunday, and you know, you get the point in where all of a sudden you think, man, Greg, you are always reminding me. Like, why are you doing this? Well, Peter felt it was important. So I just want to jump on that train if that's okay this morning. And possibly look like a fool for Christ. If that's okay as well. In verse 13, he goes on to say, I think it is right, as long as I'm in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder. So once again, there's number two. I want to remind you. But this time, he says, not always, he says, I want to stir you up. That word, you know, when I think of it in a literal sense, you can have this, you know, it's like a lake. It's really clear. And as soon as you jump off the dock, you get these ripples, right? It's the water gets agitated. It gets stirred up. So if I say something this morning that stirs you up, I'm not going to apologize. Praise the Lord. I want to be like Peter. I want to stir you up. You know, so things have come really complacent and calm in your life. Well, Lord willing, you get stirred up in Jesus. Is that okay? Amen. Amen. And then Peter goes on to say in verse 15, and I will make every effort so that after my departure, you will be able to recall these things. Every effort. Lord, help me if I don't make every effort this morning to remind you of the words that precede scriptures 12 to 15. And so that's my heart. You know, and I thought, well, I don't know, like, should I be... That, you know, that crazy one. Well, this is Peter after all. I just started thinking about who is saying these words. We're talking about Peter. Peter who is literally there called by Jesus Christ himself. Peter who is there walking on water with Jesus himself. Right? Peter was there at his transfiguration. Peter was there when he denied Christ three times. Oops, that was learning something the hard way. But Peter was there. Peter was there at the death and resurrection. Peter was there at Pentecost. And then preaches a message right after and sees 3,000 people saved. This is Peter. This is the guy who's saying, I want to remind you. Can I, can I just always remind you? Can I make every effort to remind you? Can I stir you up? Because when we, when we, take a, when we, when we hear something from someone who has experience, it kind of sticks more, doesn't it? It impacts you in a, in a different way. It does for me anyways. We had... Uh, I don't know if you met Amabla. He's from Rwanda. We had him staying uh, in our home a couple of years ago. And Amabla went through the genocide. And the same thing for Chrissy Chapman or even Sarah. And, Am- and Amabla shared stories of him being 16 years old and put on the ground in the circle with about 100 or so other people. Could have been more. And there was six soldiers standing around these 100 people lying on the ground. And they just took their weapons and duck, 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 just fired and fired and fired and fired and fired. And at the end, him and one or two other people stand up, miraculously not killed. And when you hear stories about 
the genocide from someone who was actually there and survived miraculously it impacts you in a different way. At least it does me. And so I took some time to go through the scripture and I was like, this is Peter. This is who Peter was. It just began to just impact me in a different way. And so I'm not preaching Peter this morning. I need to clarify that as well. Preaching Peter's words inspired by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. So I want to remind you this morning. And here's the context. Peter, Peter, wonderful Peter. He is in persecution in Rome. Uh, he's in prison and he's most likely waiting his, for his imminent uh, execution, as we know in verse, in, uh, um, in verse 14. He says, since I, know that putting, uh, uh, sorry, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as the Lord Jesus Christ made it clear. Here's Peter in prison, about to die. And these are the words that he chooses to share with us and where I want to share with you. And I think they're vitally important. Peter, Peter decides that, or Peter determines that he needs us to confirm our calling, confirm our election, that we were chosen by Christ, that we were saved by his grace, and that we were adopted as his children in that order. No other order. It wasn't us that saved ourselves. Amen? And he, and, he, and he preaches this message. He writes on this message that we need to confirm who we are in Christ. Just like Charles was saying, I need to know this in my heart. Why? Because we're living in times where uh, society and our culture is trying to determine what sin is. Amen? We're living in times where our culture where, and society, where they're trying to determine what is sin and what isn't sin, what, who we are, male, female, cat, dog, animal, Dragons, we're living in a society that's trying to manipulate scripture, trying to, trying to make us think something opposite of the word of God. And that's where I just find like, this is so much more important. This is so relevant for us today that Peter would state these things. And he, and he goes into three sections, which I want to start getting into. Three sections. Number one is that we are to remember who we are in Jesus Christ and where our source of living comes from. Number two, he gives us this workout regimen of how we work this out in Jesus Christ and how we remain fruitful. And he, and he touches on when we don't, what are the consequences? And so I want to start with one. Number one, I mean, that's a good place to start, isn't it? Number one is that we need to remember who we are in Jesus Christ. And it's a glorious truth. Let's start in verse three. His divine power has granted us, to us, all things that pertain to life and godliness. Is that not the most amazing thing that you've ever heard? Number one, His divine power has been granted to us. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the maker of the heavens and the earth. His divine power has been granted to you. And I say that to you because Peter starts off this passage saying, this is who I'm talking to. To those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of God. So he's not talking to people that don't know Christ. He's talking to you. He's talking to those of us who are saved by grace by the, the king of all kings this morning to you. His divine power has been granted to you, church. That blows my mind. 
You know, maybe this is a bad comparison, but I remember in 2001, when I was young and I, and I got hired on by the credit union, the Steinbeck Credit Union, you know, that mighty building that you see on Main Street. It's like the fortress. And I was like, wow, if I could work there, that'd be awesome. And I got hired there. And I went through and I'm filling out my, all my forms, giving all my details. And then they give me this magical card, right? And I was like, man, I felt pretty awesome. Corinne knows what I'm talking about. It's this little white thing, you know, and it came on this little clip and you could clip it to your belt and it had this retractable thing. And this card gave me the ability to go through any door at the mighty Steinbach Credit Union. And I was like, man, I have been granted access to the divine power of the Steinbach Credit Union. It was glorious. And I would walk down the streets in my suit and tie, and I would see people, I'm like, they can't go through that door. I can go through that door. Right? Easy to please. I mean, I, I, I was so pumped. And so this is going to be my divine power. I think it's an appropriate symbol for divine power. Okay? This is appropriate. But you, you guys, you have access to the divine power of God the Father who is reigning over all things and created all things. You have access to this. And Peter is saying, listen, there's false teachers coming. There's false prophets coming. You need to remember where your power comes from. Amen? You have access to divine power. That's number one. Then Peter goes on to say this. He says, His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life. How many things? All things. There's some ramifications of that word all, isn't there? Number one, I would suggest that means everything. I don't know if that's far-fetched, right? But I'm pretty sure that Peter is using the word all in meaning that everything, everything that you need, everything that you need, to be a victorious Christian living a godly, godly life. Let's, confer, let's combine those life, life and godliness, a godly life. Everything you need has been given to you through his divine power that's been granted to you. There's not one thing. There's not one thing on this planet that can satisfy you. There's not one thing on this planet that you need besides Jesus Christ to give you joy, to give you peace, to give you healing, to give you hope, to give you provision. There's not one thing it even seems silly that I'm telling you this. You know this, don't you? But Peter's saying, I know you know this. I want to remind you, always. I'm going to stir you up. So I bring you back to my heart. No, all things. You guys have all things. And they're glorious things. Can I say that? I know a guy. I, a person, this is a true story. I know that it's true. It's not fake. I know a guy. He's a worship leader. And I'm not envious of him at all. Okay? Uh, he's a worship leader. He's leading at a conference. And... After leading worship, some guy comes up to him and says, here's my credit card. I want you to go to the Gibson store, which was like where they make Gibsons, guitars. All right. I want you to go to the Gibson store. I've called them ready. I'd let them know you're coming. You can pick out any guitar you want. Any guitar. Like that sounds, that's, a, that's Christmas to me. I don't, I don't know about you. You can pick your own thing, own store. Someone gives you a credit card, like go. Right. So he goes to the store and he buys the best guitar they have. A $7,000 Gibson J200, big, fat body, acoustic guitar. I've played it. I led worship with it. Woo! Um, he walks, he didn't, he walks out with this amazing guitar. And I felt like, yeah, that's what the Lord 
has given us. He's given us divine access to the best of the best of the best. Amen? The best of the best of the best. And I I wonder what he feels like when we choose other things to try to fulfill life and godliness or try to satisfy ourselves when he himself gives us all things. I'm preaching to myself. I'm preaching to myself. Man, he's giving you the best of the best. He's giving you access car. You walk in that store. He knows you're coming. He says, what do you want? What do you want? I just want to give it to you. I love you. I want to lavish upon you. And there's another thing that's all things. There's a ramification of all things. That it is everything. That it is B, the best things. But C, if God gives us all things for life and godliness, what's left for us to bring? Nothing. Nothing. There is no thing that we get to bring to the table. There is no thing that's required for us to bring to the table outside of just receiving it and walking in obedience, which he empowers us to do anyway. I remind you, church, that you've been given divine access to the king of all kings, who has given you all things that are great and glorious so that you can have life and godliness and shine as a light on a hill for the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. Amen? That's a glorious truth. It's just a glorious truth. It's more than glorious. I can't even say the words. Peter doesn't stop there. He says... He says, this is how I'm going to do it, right? So, Michelle, can I, can I use you for a second? Yeah, it's okay. You know these things. You don't need to take notes anyways. Can you just stand up here? <laughs> life and godliness. That's a good example right here, right? This is part of my life and godliness, okay? This is life and godliness. So God's given you everything that you need for life and godliness. Amen? Comes through him. Comes through... The divine power says, this is how it's going to work out. Okay, this is how you're going to partake in this life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. It's this birthright of all believers that through this knowledge of him, that calling, that election, as we become an adopted daughter of the living God, this is the knowledge of Him. It's where you get to call Him Abba Father and know Him personally as a son or a daughter of Christ. It's through that, through the power of Jesus Christ dying on the cross, saving you from all your sin, you get to partake in the divine power of Jesus Christ. Is that not exciting? Very exciting. What did you do? Nothing. You didn't do anything. So how do you get the power? 
It comes through relationship with Jesus Christ. And after that, it says it comes through not only relationship with Jesus Christ, the knowledge of Him, but through His glorious goodness, through the teachings of Jesus, through the walkings out and the example of Jesus, through His death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we get to have the fullness of Christ in us and the Holy Spirit walking out life and godliness in Jesus Christ. Amen? Is that not good news? So again, there's this thing of, you can do nothing. You have nothing to bring. But this death and resurrection, sorry, Tim, don't get mad. I'm unplugging your cord. Right? Here it is. This is how we get the power. Jesus Christ sets up. God the Father sends His Son down through the knowledge of Him, through all of His examples, and it attaches to us right here. Oh, now when this ties to you, you should be like, woohoo! Right? There is a power flowing to to Michelle, a born again, elected, called believer, not by her own works. There's nothing. This power flowing through here isn't, wow, I read my Bible 17 times this week. It's not, oh, I did wonderful acts of service. No, it's nothing of that. It's Jesus dying on the cross. Obedient to God the Father and pouring out His Holy Spirit. It's His teachings on how much He loves us and calls us to His own glory. It's in His transfiguration. And it's just flowing. It's just flowing. This divine power that has been granted to us flowing out through Jesus Christ. The knowledge of Him through His wonderful, glorious goodness. Is that not good news? What do we do to receive this? Nothing. Peter is like, you need to remember this because the world wants it to be about you. The world wants you not to believe that who you are in Jesus Christ. The world wants you to do works, to, to ascertain and to achieve. The world wants you to be God. It wants you to be over there. No, that's you're, you're over there. Thank you for your wonderful example. We'll talk more later, I promise. <laughs> you probably promise. <laughs> I mean, this is just wonderful news. And I'm not here pretending you don't know this. I'm just here to remind you and stir you up. Yes. So we have access to this divine power through Jesus Christ. It's no works of our own. And then we get more granted to us, don't we? By which. You know, there's these terms, right? His divine power has granted you all things through Jesus. By which he gives us these precious and great promises. What are those promises? It's like the, the first granting is the for now, Right? So you're going to have the divine power now. And then he gives us these future granted. You know, we future grants. You know, you don't have to apply for the grant. You, you, you qualify for the grant. You know, like you qualify for the first grant. Now you get another grant. You don't have to fill out millions of, millions of documents and paperwork. You just qualify for the second grant. And that's the fact that Jesus Christ is going to return. As surely as he came the first time, he's coming again. And not only is he coming again, he's going to have victory. 
Amen? Jesus Christ is coming again. This is a promise. No more sorrow. These sorrows aren't going to last forever. This is His promise to you. And this is fleeting. This is a breath. That's how long it is. Yeah, it feels long. I agree. And I've only been here 41 years. But man, it's a glorious promise. Jesus is coming again. And not only is He going to come again, He's going to have victory. I mean, He defeated death, didn't He? He defeated sin, and He's coming back, and He's going to put Satan right back where He belongs. In hell. Amen? Saying amen all the time. That's good. It gets you interactive. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So that. He doesn't even stop there. Okay. Through Jesus Christ. By which I'm going to give you these amazing promises that I'm coming back for you. I love you. We're going to have victory. So that. So that we get to become partakers of this divine nature. Partakers, not only on this planet, sharing in his character and escaping the corruption of this world because of sinful desire, but also reigning with him for an eternity and perfection. Partakers of this divine nature with Jesus Christ forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And Peter's saying, guys, listen. There's false teachers that are coming. They want to throw you off track. But let me remind you of some good news. You divine access to the King of all kings. He's given you everything through Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior and His wonderful gloriousness. By which I've given you some amazing promises that I'm going to come back for you. I'm going to destroy the devil and all of his works so that you can be with me. For an eternity. Upon eternity. Of which. You don't get to do any works to deserve it. So when the false teachers try to tell you otherwise. You need to remember. You need to remember. You need to remind yourself. You need to remember again. You need to remember again. Peter said it three times. I can say it more times. And so he gives us this. You know, I, don't, I don't even want to spend a lot of time on it because I think that's just the gist of it for us this morning. It's just this reminder. But, but he goes on in verse 5 to 7 to give us this exercise routine. You know, like it's not a, it's not a work routine. Not something that, you know, Peter's not saying do this so that you get to be with heaven. It's like, do this because. Because God's, God's called you to be a light where you are. And that's the power, right? Michelle, standing here, you have this, you have this line, which, I mean, there's not an... I mean, Tim could probably attest, this just isn't thick enough to carry the power of Jesus Christ. I mean, we would blow a breaker, I'm pretty sure. But this comes, and, and as this gets attached to me now it's like i just start shining for for jesus christ it's the power it's the flow and it's the outpouring by the grace of god through me and so peter gives us this workout routine and and i'll just quickly go through it and and it may be something here that coming out of the fast that the lord wants you to i'm gonna i'm gonna practice that 
Or I'm going to... So as I go through this list, just, I don't know, just ask the Lord, is there anything here you want me to... I think he wants you to do all of them, actually. He wants me to do all of them. <laughs> but uh, maybe start with one. But he gives us these, these, these... He says, for this reason, because Christ's divine power has granted you all things, for this reason... Let me read. I've got to read it. Make every effort... That's a, that's a tough line, right? Because, I mean, there's a tendency when you hear make every effort to think that we need to work out our, you know, like it's a workspace thing. But I feel like, I feel like Peter's just acknowledging the fact that, you know, because of God's glorious goodness, it's just like, like when, when, I, when I fall in love, the more I fall in love with, with Michelle. It's just like, I've talked about this before. You just, I just want to do things that please her. Not because it's going to make her love me more, but it's just that I just can't help myself but to do things that please there. So, so Paul's, Peter's story is saying, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue or goodness. Goodness, seeking the character of God as a standard for our, and a goal for our own. How we act, how we walk out our Christian faith. And to goodness, we add on knowledge not knowledge as in, go get a dictionary or, you know, get some encyclopedias and start memorizing just random facts, you right? <laughs> he's saying, no knowledge about what pleases Jesus. Seek that out. Study that. What pleases the Savior? Because these are all qualities of Him. Therefore, I exhort you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a sacrifice, alive, holy, and pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service goes on so that you may test and approve what is the will of God, what is good and well-pleasing and perfect. Take your faith, add to it some knowledge. To knowledge, self-control, mastery over sin and things that ensnares as servants of the will of God. I mean, this, this kind of is, is to go with pleasures in, in life, you know? It's like to have self-control. I mean, you don't need self-control over bad things, do you? Generally, you're, you don't have to, man, I need some self-control. I just love going to the dentist all the time. I just, I need, really need to get a hold of myself here. Now, I'm just talking about pleasures. Practice self-control. Steadfastness. Now, there would, that would have to do with maybe the painful side of things. Is this call to, to practice and make every effort to work on steadfastness. James 1, 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Steadfastness in full effect bring completion and lacking nothing. This call to walk out difficult times. Practice that. Make every effort not to take it for granted, but just go, yeah, Lord, help me. Help me to be steadfast. Self-control and the pleasure of steadfastness through the pain. Right? Because with, with good things, oh, help me to be steadfast, enjoying good things. I have a hard time enjoying good things. Now being steadfast in those trials. Godliness. Practicing our day-to-day walk and disobedience in the scriptures. And For me, it's just this, this James one twenty-seven. I talked about it last time I preached in December. This Just to... You know, this is pure undefiled religion in the sight of God to visit orphans and widows in distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Just this practice of, God, how can I walk out 
this faith that I so believe in? How can I practice this? I know it doesn't get me any merit, you know, self-control, steadfastness, knowledge. Of, I know it's not gaining me anything, but how do, I, how do I practice these things? How do I work out this stuff in my own life? How do you want it to work out in my own life? Brotherly affection, that shouldn't be a hard one, but it is, isn't it? Brotherly affection is the love for other believers, people that we share life in common, beliefs with in common. That can sometimes be tough, can't it? I don't know, maybe not for you, but for me, it's like I find myself wanting to get competitive and just... uh. But Peter thinks it's important. I think he understands the need to lift some weights of brotherly affection, do some squats of brotherly affection, practice brotherly affection. It says in 1 Peter 1, 22, he says a little bit later, since you have obedience to the truth, purify your souls for a sincere love of the brethren. Fervently love one another from the heart. This call to love. The person sitting next to you, behind you, in front of you, who God's called you to do life with. Amen? And then love. It's kind of a bookend of, begins with faith, supplement your faith, right? With goodness and virtue. At the end is this agape love. Practice your agape love. Agape love moves from just brotherly affection to this loving of, with a love that comes from the heart of the Father. And it stems first with loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And it moves on to loving your neighbor, loving everyone as yourself with an agape love, a Christ-like love, a dying-to-self-love. Practice this. It's a workout regimen. Why do I say it's a workout regimen? Because Peter moves in this next section of verse 8 to 11. He says, For if these qualities are yours and increasing. There again is this word increasing. You know, I find this, I find myself trying to tiptoe through these words and make every effort because I'm so scared. Like, I'm just being honest right now. I'm so scared to, to even suggest that we need to do works to earn our salvation. But Peter's making these, these words like there's some kind of forward push, this forward movement that we should be in, whether it's with these qualities of character. Because again, he says here, if it's yours and increasing, why would he say that? Because there's this, there's this need for us to just practice them, practice them. To walk in them. He says, for, for if these qualities are yours increase, increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or fruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I saw these, I saw these qualities as kind of the, the connection, right? Like, you know, it's like when you get a bad signal to your TV, what do you do? You check, you check the connection, right? And it's almost as if these qualities, as we work on them, is like, making sure that connection to Jesus Christ is secure, working on them. You know, they get upgraded from just cable to HD to now like 4K, you know, and they, and they become clearer and stronger signal. Does that make sense? It's this connection. And they keep you from being ineffective or fruit, unfruitful. So if they're increased and they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful, that means you can be ineffective and unfruitful, doesn't it? Does it make sense? I'm just, I'm just reading. 
So my encouragement is to develop a workout routine. Look over this list. God, how can I, how can I practice these things just to glorify your great name? Not to get anything from you. Just how can, I, how can I be a light right where I am by practicing these simple things so that I can be a fruitful believer? Fruitful right where I am. Whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Two things. He is blind. What does blind suggest? If I become blind right now, I can't see what's coming, can I? It's almost like Peter saying there's two things. Is that if you, don't, if you don't have these qualities, if you lack these qualities, man, you lose your way. You can lose your way. It's just like trying to, ah, like, where are you, Lord? Or where am I called to? What am I supposed to be? Um, It affects the future. It affects your moving forward. But not only that, he says that you become blind, but having forgotten. And also, so there's a sense of, you can actually be blind in the sense of the future, but you can actually forget your past. Of which Peter's saying, no, you need to remember. You need to remember. I need to remind you of the glorious truth, his divine power at work in you by the grace of God who called you and chose you. So if there's a, a sermon title this morning, and I mean, they, they just made it for you in your Bible. I don't, I don't, Peter never said, hey, this is the title of this section. It says, confirm your calling and election. Confirm it. Election in the sense that... Man, you were chosen by God. You were elected as his son and his daughter. And you have a calling to be connected to the king of all kings, displaying his glorious goodness for his power, his honor, his glory. And he ends off by saying, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, which I just said. For if you practice these qualities... You will never fail. And there's that word again. Can I just kind of end with that word again? There, there's, this, there's this theme. Make every effort, if they're increasing, and practice. If I get in a dinghy in the Red River and I don't paddle, where am I going? Downstream. Right? This is what kind of Peter's saying. It's like, you get in your dinghy, Dingy. <laughs> I like saying it that way. I don't know. It's just the thing. Dingy. It's like, there's a call to paddle, right? It's a call to paddle. Practice. Make every effort. If they're increasing. So I'd encourage you, don't take it for granted that you were saved by Jesus Christ. That's kind of just like not paddling is that, isn't it? It's just like, huh? I'm saved by grace. Thank you, Jesus. And there's goodness to that. We need, we need to believe that with all our heart, right? But not patting is just like, yep, that's good. I'm done. Thanks for saving me. I'll see you in heaven. Can't wait. It's going to be a good time. Right? I would encourage you, don't take it for granted. Remember. Remember. And let the love of Christ and his glorious grace empower you and stir you on as we come out of this fast seeking the lord lord what have you called me to continue 
What muscles have you called me to exercise? For your glory and your honor. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for this glorious truth that we've been reading as Peter wrote down through your inspiration. God, help us, Jesus. Help us to see you in the light of who you are and to respond for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name, amen.